Hey, you damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. I'm Danielle. Hey, you damn guys. We're back. We're I had, back. I had COVID, and I was really sick. And then, oh, I'm so sorry, man. And I couldn't edit the episode, because looking at a screen for too long just made me feel like... <laughs> I was dying. Looking at anything for too long made me feel like I was dying. But anyway, thanks for all everybody. You know, I posted it up and I said the episode was going to be delayed and it was just a resounding like, don't think about the podcast, <laughs> just get better. Just get we, well. You know, yeah. And yeah. everybody was That's like nice. being really nice. And so thank you all you damn guys. I really appreciate all the support and everybody being cool. We ended up taking a week off because of that. Um, but we got our episode back up last week and now we're back into it. So yeah, ready to go out and get sick again. No. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's catch up on some listener feedback. Listener feedback. Get out, trades and floppies. Get out, hardback copies. Digital is fine. Read along in time. Get out. We heard from Peter Winthrop. Peter Winthrop. Book club member. Yes. He said... Hey, you book club guys, have you thought about discussing a webcomic series? I was specifically thinking of Atomic Robo. It has many parallels to Hellboy, particularly storytelling-wise. I've never read Atomic Robo. I thought that that was a comic, though. I didn't know that that was a webcomic. I did not either. I Mm -hmm. I thought it was like an actual just like, maybe it's both. But anyway, I would love to check out some Atomic Robo. I do like the art style in those books, but I've never actually read it. So, yeah, I have to check that out. Good recommendation. I don't know if there are a lot of webcomics that would lend themselves to what we're doing. Okay. I don't I, know. I think that that's... I, I don't know. I don't, I don't read webcomics, so yeah. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Let us know, listeners, if there's anything like that, I guess. I don't know. Do you guys read, do you guys read webcomics? I don't know if I want to read a bunch of inside jokes from three panels of two guys sitting on a couch playing video games. I don't know if that's something I want to do. Do you know what I mean? That sounds horrible. Well, I I mean, Peter's referencing Atomic Robo. Like, I know that that's yeah. not what that is. It's no. like a giant robot and a little kid and they sure. have adventures. So. I mean, no, I, I like Zebra Girl by Joe oh. England. Okay. You know, there you I go. like web comics, but I think that I just don't know if that's... I guess when I hear the phrase webcomics, is sort of a loaded phrase for me. Like, when I hear the word webcomics, okay. I think, like, early 2000s. Okay. Like all of the disasters that were happening then, but right. I guess that's not how it's evolved. So yeah. maybe I've maybe I am uh, not quite understanding what the request is. Yeah, yeah. Possibly, I have to check out some Atomic Robo and see what that's like. Very cool. We also heard from Christopher Egan. Christopher Egan, book club member. Mm-hmm. He said, "I just got to my shout out." Okay. Remember, I shouted him out because I said Christopher needs this. He's up with the baby and oh, he's yeah. to listen okay. to or whatever. He said, uh, appreciated and much love. I'm doing some work right now because I look like I zombie when I get up late doing dad stuff, like getting peed on. Um, he, he also said, uh, I was talking about Batman 89 that I wanted to check that out. He said, Batman 89 is okay. A fun read for sure, but didn't blow me away. It was cool to see some of the ideas from the killed third Burton movie repurposed. I enjoyed Superman 78 a lot more. So they all they did Batman 89, and then they did Superman 78, which is a continuation of the Christopher Reeves movie. Mm, okay. So they did kind of both versions of that. Yeah, I want to check both of those out, but I'm glad to hear the Superman one is good. Very cool. Didn't they also, didn't they also do one for Wonder Woman? Did they? It's like continuing the Linda Carter series, I guess. I think so. I, I mean, I could I could be making this up, but I really think that they did. <laughs> well, I know that there's also like, 
a Batman 66 comic that follows the Adam West, and it's by the Owlreds. And that's supposed to be really good, but I've never read any of that stuff. So anyway, cool. Uh, We also heard from Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell. Book club member. He said, hell yeah, I love the iZombie show. I like how in a lot of ways it's really goofy and doesn't take itself too seriously, but there's some really intense elements and well-crafted overarching plot lines. I think that's the only reason it's watchable is because it doesn't take itself seriously. I think that's that's the only thing that makes it interesting whatsoever. Because when you were first like, oh, you you watched the show with me, it's about something. I'm like, nope, absolutely not. No, I won't do it. And then you're like, no, 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 I'm just, it's not like that. Let me show you. And what you showed me, you picked a clip that was a guy that was making a joke about, he's like, what do you think? Zombies. Overplayed? Too much? Yeah. Nah, I think we can do it. And it's, I was like, oh, it's, yeah. It's like, like it's a references me- itself. Yeah, and-, and it was a very formulaic, like, you've got the guy who comes in and he's like, hey, we got a case. And yeah. she's like, oh, I got to eat this first and yeah. then I'm going to do a thing. And every week she's a different person. Very interesting and silly and funny. It's a fun take on a procedural show. Absolutely. And I love a procedural. We all know this. Yeah. But I love a a procedural. And I've I've always wanted to watch one, and I've never gotten into one of those. I've never got into a CSI or a House. Okay, well, X-Files. X-Files, but like that's more. Okay, X-Files is like a procedural. I don't don't really watch House. You watched me watch it. I watch you watch it, but I (laughs) I come in like of an episode every season or something like that. That and I'll be like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, Why is this person their, doing this? Yeah, anyway. but they have their they have their monster of the week type of deal, and then they have their overall mythology. Yeah. That's you know, and that's kind of you know, in a silly way, it's yeah. like that. But it's like it's like a take on a procedural and a take on the zombie thing, and it's just very silly. Yeah, and, yeah, no, and I I was expecting to very much be like, I'm absolutely never watching this, and then after I understood that, I was like, oh, this is yeah, what is this? So yeah, yeah. Um, Drew says. Every season goes in directions I totally didn't see coming. That's how I feel. Yeah. Like I'm not going to spoil anything, but the ending of season two is fucking bonkers. And then <laughs> it se- really is. And then season three just starts getting more wild, and I'm on season four now, and it's like it's it goes places that you do not think that it will go. Anyway, it's a fun show. I'm so excited. I'm still working on it. So, uh, and that's yeah. a uh, that's what's his name originally was the comic book. Yeah. Uh, Mike Alred. Mike yeah. Alred, yeah. Yeah. Um, Drew said, I love the comic too, but yeah, aside from the basic premise, they have very little in common. He said, I agree with Danielle. I always thought Mo- Rose McIver looks like an Alred drawing come to right? life. And Aubrey, the theme song is by Dead Boy and the Elephant Man, a band formed by Louisiana boy Dax Riggs of Acid Bath fame, huh. uh, who also had a band called Agents of Oblivion, whose album featured some similar looking art. Look at this. Oh, wow. Does that make you think of anything? It does. It does. It's a hand of glory. Yeah, it's a hand of glory. We talked about that in some Hellboy comics. Very cool. Thank you, Drew. Uh, yeah, no, that song is really cool. Like I, uh, when the, when I was watching the show when it was coming out, I was listening to it, and I threw it on a playlist. And so it pops up every once in a while when I'm listening to, to that playlist. <laughs> yeah, I dig that, too. I like that song. Uh We also had a really great discussion on our Silver Surfer episode. All right, so uh, the part of Drew Campbell will be played by Aubrey, and the part <laughs> okay. of Peyton will be played by Danielle. Thank you. <laughs> I know you guys know, and I know I've said it before, but man, this run is incredible. One of the best of all time, in my opinion. The way that it deals with these big, sometimes overwhelming concepts, but also deeply personal matters with such seriousness, and honestly, yet it never loses hope. 
and always maintains a sense of fun and joy is masterful and rare in comics. At least it seems to me. For I'll sure. agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Good point. I have a question. I've always liked the Silver Surfer, but I haven't really read a whole lot of his stories. I get the impression that he's pretty consistently portrayed as a brooding cosmic sad boy <laughs> who's constantly tormented by his past action and conflicted about how and when he should use his powers. So is this run the only time his character was ever developed beyond that to give him a wider range of emotions like happiness and fun? Either way, it shows that while characters with great power make for exciting stories, it's the humanity that make them worth reading. For sure. Yes. Uh, one last thing. It occurred to me that the issues that arise when they're trying to recreate the universe, should Dawn bring her mother back to life, should Surfer restore the worlds, the Galactus destroyed, etc., or similar to some of the issues that were brought up in the Avengers Endgame, which came out four years after this. In regards oh, to yeah. in regards to undoing the snap, such as Tony's daughter, who was born after the snap and would be erased from existence if they undid it. I think it highlights the incredible resilience of humanity or humanoid itty <laughs> <laughs> that people can take terrible events or situations and make so much good out of them that the idea of being able to undo the bad things become not worth it because of all the good that will also be undone. Right. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I guess um, most of the stuff that I've read of Silver Surfer is the dark brooding stuff. But I, I will say like that Ron Lim run in the 90s. Um, yeah. All that stuff. They, they did some interesting stuff with him and they gave him some humor. Um, there is some really fun stuff. There's some fun stuff with the Impossible Man. There's some fun stuff with the Fantastic Four. Um, There's in that those series. fun thing with the Drax. <laughs> yes, all that stuff. Uh, it, it, I, there is some cool stuff in that where they kind of break him out of his shell. And then the other one that I recommend really quick is Silver Surfer Re Requiem. Um, that one is a very somber, emotional, sad book, but uh, it's really cool. It's worth checking out. And then the Silver Surfer Black by Trad Moore and Dave Stewart is just like cosmic weirdness, mind boggling. But he does remain like the brooding thing. But they have done some creative stuff with him, which which I do like. And I wanted to shout out those books. Anyway, go on. Well, Hayden Knorr uh, had something to say. Hayden Knorr. Book club member. That's right. Uh, he goes, uh, oh, yeah, back to the Silver Age. Great episode, you florkin' plorps. It's always fun to get existential with a comic book. You asked if we'd choose to stay on Euphoria. And honestly, I don't think I could. It's the paradox of the kind of heaven a lot of religions subscribe to. Everything will be perfect all the time for eternity. And as a human being, you would hate it after a while. Unless your free will was taken away and you were forced to enjoy it forever or something. So you'd either be trapped against your will for all time or you would essentially be a slave of eternity in paradise, which is worse. Then also the idea of no heaven or afterlife in general, a.k.a. ceasing to exist, is also horrifying. In fact, it's a concept humans can't really grasp, non-existence. Yeah. All we've ever experienced is existing. It's all we know. So would you rather cease to be anymore or be trapped in a sort of joy prison? It's a conundrum. I think the best sort of afterlife or afterlife to live would be something like in Uatu, the Watcher type of deal. Just existing all over the universe, hanging out, watching cool stuff happen. Quasars and galaxies and dope stuff like that. <laughs> and to the other existential idea of having practically magical powers to do whatever you deemed right in the universe, I think there's a certain point you could get to where you... Mostly would be right for changing things, denuclearization, forcing all the old shitheads and powers to face some sort of karmic punishment at the hands of the people, <laughs> making governments actually start taking care of their citizens instead of wasting trillions on building weapons that can kill people more efficiently. But I do think past a certain point, you do start to step over a line that humans should not have the power to cross messing with time, bringing about the dead to life, etc. So they should teach Silver Surfer comics in philosophy classes. Yes. Interesting. Yes. 
I'm have to agree with Hayden on about that. Like the whole idea of existence in paradise would get boring or stale after a while, and then like the only way you can probably enjoy it is by like having your free will taken away. And so, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really seem that great to me. <laughs> I think. Well, that's the thing. I think it's also how are we thinking about it because you're like, ah, it doesn't seem that great. But like, would would it though? Right. Because if you really were in that position where you didn't have to worry about resources or anything like that what would you choose to do with your time then instead you know and i think that for some people that would be awful because they can't stand the idea of actually being at peace right that's something you have to train yourself to do that's a whole set of skills that you have to develop so you know maybe i think for some people that would be the case and i think for other people that would absolutely not be the case so i think it just depends on the individual right. person just like in the comics there were some people like fuck you we're staying here fuck yeah. you man and yeah. so like they were like ah we gotta get out of here yeah and i think it really does depend on the individual and i think that's um that is an interesting thought i kind of like the way that they touched upon it in at the ending of the good place uh i don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it because i thought that was a really good way to handle that you know existence in eternity oh um, okay Nice. I, I, th- I, I thought that was that, really nice. I thought intrigued. that was really nicely done. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Drew replied, but the whole thing about euphoria is that as soon as you get bored or start to not enjoy it, it would change to whatever would make you happier at the time, right? Yeah. So then the question becomes, if you know that euphoria is giving you exactly what you need to be happy, does that diminish the happiness you get from it? Or can euphoria become sophisticated enough to understand that working through conflict and overcoming obstacles can lead to a greater sense of happiness? And therefore, she can learn to not always let you win or give you what you think you want. Creating a balance that actually will make you happier. And even then, would knowing that your happiness was being engineered spoil it? Like you guys, I feel like I wouldn't want to stay, but Euphoria is really good at what she does. I don't know if I'd have the willpower to give it up. And it's also being framed in this, like, do you have the willpower to give this up? Like, why is this being framed as a moral choice or moral decision what is it what is necessarily immoral about staying do you know what i mean well it's not but i guess i guess like once you realize once that light switch has been turned off and and you know that it's doing it to you then it's hard to reconcile with that like i think like it it, just like you were saying earlier it depends on who you are and so for some people it is a moral thing because it's like wait a minute i should be struggling i should be learning and See, I, I think that's be. fucking bullshit you can still learn yeah. without ha- yeah i mean i I don't necessarily think that that like like struggling and working at something can be very positive in some ways but then also str- like struggles that are put against you for other reasons are not necessarily you know what i'm saying yeah. so i feel like it depends on what is the struggle well that's what well that's what drew is yeah. saying here i think it's so interesting is that right is euphoria sophisticated enough to learn that right hey by overcoming obstacles that is also sure what, that is what this person well, likes yeah we did have so, an example of that so i'm gonna so i'm gonna like not let them win all the time right you know what i mean so that way yeah we didn't see that we saw that Kotaka oh she was, always wins right she always saved them yeah even surfer was like oh yeah every time this has happened right right here. right you know so would it start to learn after a while right i need a tweak this up a little bit yeah you know what i mean and then it, and then it's 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 creating those things that you would find out there sure simulated but it's still keeping you safe or i don't know right i don't, I don't know. know i don't know and i think that i think that 
it's it it does have to be a choice though because she was kind of like you mentioned i think the only moral failing here is that people didn't know yeah that that's what was going but on. once you know like yeah I'd be thinking about it every time I go to sleep at night. I'd be like, it's just, this is just giving me what I want. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I, didn't like, we, didn't we strike a balance of like, wouldn't this be a great vacation spot? That's what I said. Right? Yeah. Like, I said, save I'm going to save the coordinates to get back let's here. Come, let's come back here every once in a while. Uh, Hayden Orr says, Drew Campbell, that's a good point, but I think that even if it was really sophisticated and you didn't always get what you want to give the feeling of reality, if you knew it was engineered, or if I did at least since I can't speak for anyone else, I still wouldn't want it. Even the most sophisticated illusion is still an illusion. In fact, I think I personally would be more annoyed if the illusion or manufactured heaven was trying to give me bad times to even out the good. (laughs) (laughs) And then Drew replied, totally agree. But like I said, if I was actually faced with that situation, I can't say with certainty that I'd be able to walk away from it. Like, for instance, I love to travel, but it's too expensive to do for more than a little bit each year. And it's hard to keep the family comfortable and happy when we do. If Euphoria could allow me to travel with no limit other than how much I want to do it, gosh, how would I turn that down? Like the gang said, I'm glad you would be able to free to come and go, but you don't have to choose to stay forever or leave forever. Right. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Well, and she even said she was like, come back anytime. Kind yeah, of a deal, yeah. right? So it's like, <laughs> all right, whatever. And I think that's uh, I think that's where we landed yeah. last time. So I think that it is an interesting I love that every issue of this presents like, what would you do? Like you think about it. It makes you think about what if I was in this situation? And that to me is very much, um, I think why a lot of us read comic books is because we, we like to have our little guys in little situations and it kind of makes us think about, you know, I don't know. I, I, I very much love that in a comic series. And I think that this this series does that better than, better than, uh, I've seen in a while. Totally agree with that. We also heard from Tom Barnett. Tom Barnett. Book club member. He said, maybe I'd get tired of it, but I could sure use a nice, long, peaceful break from some of the crazy <laughs> going on. I'll hop on the first two meter euphoria. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think we can all use a little bit of that. Well, and just like anything else, everything in moderation, right? Sure, a little bit goes sure, a long way. Yeah. So it's not as dire as all that. Awesome. All right, thank you guys so much, and now we're going to move on to our book club episode for the week, and this week we're talking about Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, Issue 201. Okay, is this, yes. Aub- is this Aubrey's pick? It is Aubrey's pick. Okay. This issue was published on October 8th, 1985, and it's written by Chris Claremont, pencils by Rick Leonardi, inks by Wills Portatio, colorist is Glenn Oliver, letterer Tom... Or is, I, I've seen this guy's main name so many times, and I don't know how to say it. Orzechowski. Is that? It looks like Orzechowski. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Orzechowski. Yeah. Tom Orzechowski, letterer, and then the editor is Anniocenti. Awesome. This is like some classic names here. You know Jim what I mean? Shooter, editor in chief. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. So, um, Aubrey, you wanted to talk. So, I, I I love coming back to the X Men. I love whenever we get to talk about the X Men. Aubrey, talk a little bit about um, why you picked this issue. Yes, Aubrey, tell us. Okay, why? Well, <laughs> why have you done this? Why have I picked this issue? Okay, so you know, I mean, okay, so like we were all big fans of the X Men, but like when I first started yeah. reading the X Men, it was the it was Claremont was writing it. So I mean, so I was always gonna have a special place in my heart. And sure. Claremont wrote the book for seventeen. I was about years. to say that's a wide net. I think a lot of people yeah. have that in common. Exactly. So I mean, it's just like, and so you know, and then then um, you know, and it's just like his his run has just been so influential, and everybody. Um, True. 
you know, from the movies and like other writers, they're like, you know, they're trying to build on what he did because I mean, before Claremont wrote the X-Men, it was just, I mean, I, I haven't really read any of the stuff free Claremont, but I mean, the book wasn't doing well. It's yeah. been entered right. into reprints for like 30 some odd issues or something like right. that. I remember um, that. Yeah. And then, so Claremont basically was able to come in and with a blank slate with these brand new characters and just kind of take them wherever he wanted. And because the book was kind of unknown at the time, not really unknown, but like, nobody really thought much of it they were able to start building something um which actually kind of led to a success which then all of a sudden led to marvel going hey so you guys are successful we want to do more stuff and then and it eventually led to like a power struggle where claremont left the book after 17 years but um i don't know i mean it's just like this is a really influential run in comics and then the reason i picked this particular issue uh for two reasons or maybe three i don't know you know, a lot of times, you know, you can go on like any, like, you know, anybody, everybody's talking about the Dark Phoenix saga, the Days of Future Past, Inferno, Fall of Mutants and stuff like that. But yeah. I figured this is a nice little one-shot issue, and it's the issue where Storm becomes the leader of the X-Men. Yeah. And I think this should definitely be one of those issues that people talk about, because Storm is a fucking badass character. Yeah. Well, I was, I, I, was, I was stoked to see this look in that Apocalypse movie that they made. I thought oh, that, that yeah. actor did a great job. She looked. Oh great. yeah, yeah. It's I too mean, bad that, that movie, movie wasn't great. Well, yeah. you know, I, I, it's not. It was all right. As bad as I, I like to put those movies on and just have them on sometimes. It's, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's as bad as all that. As, as far as a fucking comic book movie goes, it's better than some of the fucking. X-Men I know. Movies I just came had. off. A, <laughs> I just came off a run of the Zack Snyder movies, so maybe I'll watch mm. the X Men movies next and and and, and yeah. give you guys a play by play of those on the listener feedback. I was, I was thinking about watching the X-Men movies again myself. Yeah. I thought there were a lot of good things about that movie. And there were a lot of stuff. I, there was a lot of stuff I did not like, but there was a lot of stuff to enjoy. And so it's just like any other comic book movie, really. It's, you know, you, it's yeah. this part's cool. I'll, I'll have that. I'm having that. I'll take that. Thank you. And then the rest of it just kind of I sort of forget about, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, speaking of that particular one movie, there's just one part in the movie that involves Storm where she like rides in on a bolt of lightning Dope. and i was just like fuck that is cool, so cool shit <laughs> that actor did a great job i really like her yeah. storm i think she's fantastic but um yeah, oh, yeah this i mean so this cover iconic you know i mean who whomst amongst us hasn't seen this cover like a hundred times oh yeah right? yeah, yeah, yeah. i love what cyclops is doing i love the exaggerated anatomy and poses but it's not so bad that it would be a like it's yeah. It's not obnoxious. It's just like this is comic book art. It's not to the point where it's like yeesh, yikes, cringe. This is <laughs> very silly, but I still think that it's very like oh nice. Okay, classic ridiculous yeah. comic book art. I love it. And uh I love that pose. John, could you think you can strike this pose real quick? I will. I'll For do me, it the right Cyclops now. pose. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Um, You're doing a great job, buddy. How's your spine? <laughs> do I need to call an ambulance? Uh, yeah, I'm in traction now. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I love Rick Leonardi. You know, he's a he's a Marvel legend. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff for DC oh, yeah. too. Cloak and Dagger, the Uncanny X-Men, New Mutants, Spider-Man 2099, Nightwing, Batgirl, Green Lantern, Superman. Um, he did some Star Wars comics and stuff like that. So. The hands are so expressive. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, and and I and I gotta say, I love Mohawk Storm. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, it's the, the best superior, storm. Yeah. yeah, the superior Storm hair is the yeah. Mohawk for sure. I don't, I don't understand the cat eyes though. I never understood the cat eyes. Oh right, yeah. So 
uh, on this opening I mean, page. I mean, it's an artistic I, choice. It's but fine. but I love this opening page. I love the yeah. colors. I love all the faces. It really mm, is all the faces. I do. It's, it's maybe not it's, the baby. It's not classic. I don't know about the baby. You know, the baby has a little bit of man face. I guess. <laughs> it kind of does, but it kind of does. Uh, the nose and the I don't and know the about mouth. the baby. Yeah. Yeah, I love this opening scene because we got everybody and they're all happy and they are excited and they're welcoming. Uh, they're congratulating Madeline on the birth of her and Scott's child. And Scott still got his visor on. He's still in full uniform and he's the only one looking away. He's got this grimace look on his right. face. Yeah. yeah, I hate this baby. I hate this <laughs> yeah. baby. I don't want to be a dad. <laughs> Everyone's really Can't crammed everybody. in there too, aren't they? But that's what uh, it's like everybody. when you're all looking at a baby. They have the little baby and they all have to come in, cram and, in there. and look at it. You know what I mean? It, it would be like almost like a huddle or something. I think it's really cute. I, um, yeah. I, I, no, yeah, I like absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Classic oh, comic and then, books. And it hints everybody that baby turns out to be Cable. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons why this issue is notable to me is because this is technically the first appearance of Cable. Ah. Because this is his, he's a baby. I mean, it's it's him as a baby, but like, I got this issue signed by Will's Portatio. Um, I got to meet oh, him. Oh, awesome. Um, he gave me, a, he did an awesome Colossus sketch for me. Yeah, I, that was an awesome um, sketch. I'm, I'm looking for the issue. I spent like yesterday, part of yesterday looking for I can't find this issue anywhere. <laughs> I'm so mad, but I know that I have it. I'm going to find it and post a picture of it. But this is this has always been a, a, a number one X-Men book for me. Like I, I hunted down this back issue and was like happy to have it. This is like a sought after book because of that. You know, in terms of like your stupid comic trivia, it's like first appearance of Nathan Summers. Yeah, <laughs> that... I know. I know you wanted to talk about Chris Claremont. Oh, a yeah. little bit. Was Did there anything wanna... else that you wanted to say about that? I mean, you know, just so you know, I mean, like, I mean, other than like, I'm a huge fan of his work. I mean, and his stuff is just super influential. Influenced the movies, the cartoons, everything. So. Yeah, we met Chris Claremont too. We did. We got some books signed yeah. by him, and he was really nice. Very and nice. He didn't charge anything. Such a nice guy. He, he could. I mean, he, he could definitely have. could. Yeah. He just signed them. Um, I'll post a picture of that too. Real um, we we got a picture with Chris Claremont. He was super nice. Yeah, and he just yeah. he was signing books yeah. and just talking and gabbing and absolutely, you know. Being by the way, cool. any any like gentle ribbing that occurs in this episode is like we have nothing but respect yes. and love for this man, and as a creative. We really appreciate his work. So if if we're ever like, uh, how about this bit of dialogue? It's it's more like, hey, wasn't that the style of the time? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. when you watch a yeah when you watch a movie with Cary Grant or yeah yeah or whoever was her name, ha- Catherine when you, Catherine Hepburn. when you watch a movie with Catherine Hepburn in it or whatever, and you kind of do their dialogue a little bit, like it's to yeah. us, it's not something we see anymore. So it's kind of a of its time, sort yeah, of a fun yeah. silly thing. We mean it in that way and not a disrespectful way at all if we you know what i mean because yeah. I, I as i was reading this i was it's the dialogue's a little bit jarring at some points and you're just like oh they don't do that oh, anymore yeah, do yeah. they Every, all the thought bubbles <laughs> of what you're doing as you're doing it and that sort of thing but it was of the time and so that's we can recognize that for what that is so i just don't want anyone to think that we're hating on this man at all yeah oh i guess another reason i wanted to pick this issue is because it's also um it's almost kind of like a slice of a day in the life slice of the X-Men. And it's not like there's no big like battle. I mean, other than, you know, the, the thing between right. Cyclops. The tool, and, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's like no enemies. There's nothing, you know, it, it's just kind of like they're that. at home I love at that. the mansion. 
you know, to the, just you their know. own internal drama as the X Men. I love it. Yeah, there's a Tumblr and post I, that's like one of my favorite fucking Tumblr posts is like, bring back that genre of fan fiction that was just a bunch of bitches living in a house together. That yeah. shit fucking ruled, unironically. <laughs> and I agree because that is my favorite fucking shit. I love that shit. Give chef's kiss. Give me a whole yeah. fan fiction of just. A bunch of bitches living in a fucking house together because that shit does rule unironically. It's incredible, and this issue is absolutely that. So, as for as awesome as like you know stuff like the Dark Phoenix and Inferno and all that big action stuff is, it's really the slice of life stuff that really just kept readers coming back, you know, month to month oh, right. to sure. these comics. I mean, it's basically a soap opera. Absolutely. Yeah. All the inter- all the interpersonal relationships. With the X Mansion is absolutely perfect. Because okay, after I mean, after Avengers came out, you got a lot of Avengers fanfic, which was just everybody lives in Avengers Tower. Right. Everybody yeah. lives mm-hmm. there together, and they're all hanging out in the break room or the right. kitchen yeah. or whatever. Having these weird having movie night and all this bullshit. Right. Loki's there for some inexplicable <laughs> fucking reason. You know what I mean? And so they're all just you know fucking hanging out together and having this like you said this slice of life shit and. What could be more perfect than the X-Mansion for this type of shit? I mean, how many amazing fucking scenarios can you think of where your little guys get into little situations at the X-Mansion? Everyone's got their room at the X-Mansion. How many little dramas can they fucking get into where they uh, run into each other in the fucking kitchen or the tv room or on the grounds or you sh- you knock on their door late at night or whatever and you have the classrooms and you have all the shit it's the perfect i'm really shocked we haven't gotten a fucking tv show if i'm honest like i where's the premier television x-man they tried show? to do something like that didn't they With, uh, um, did they? what was Gif- the- gifted, gifted gifted tried that oh i must have missed that. yeah really they, they had polaris in there and oh, all this wow. stuff yeah that sounds like that we, would be right in my we, we i mean that sounds it, great yeah. i didn't even know well, that existed I- it, I, I started it, and it started off pretty strong, but um, I just didn't keep up with it, to be right. honest with well, you. But yeah. no, anyway, like you said, they're all they're all here in the fucking same Ner- place together, just goofing off at the X-Mansion, which is, mwah, love it. Yeah, like if we turn the page to the next page, you know, they're all just doing goofy shit. Like Wolverine is opening a beer with his claws. Like Amazing. Why? <laughs> Nightcrawler and, and Rachel Summers are just fucking around tickling each other they're having a tickle fight it's so goofy i thought this was like this almost gave me like anime feels you know on in like when you're watching anime or like dragon ball z or something and then like something goofy happens like this and then there's like goofy music like this has incredibly strong fan fiction vibes yeah someone starts tickling someone else and they're just he's just amazing Amazing. He's using his tail as. Or as there's part also of- <laughs> there's also like tipping over the couch with your psychic powers, your oh, your telekinetic yeah. powers, like all of this, like oh ho, and the- use your telekinetic powers against me, will you? <laughs> you know, like, and also I have to remind you, I'm German in the same sentence. Yeah. Just in case yes. this is your first X Men comic, it's very like ah, you've got telekinetic powers, and you're using them against me right now. It's very, <laughs> I love it. I really do. Oh yeah, and I, I like how. Um, I like how Wolverine, like after Nightcrawler, like uses his teleportation powers. Wolverine is kind of holding his nose because you know it's supposed to be the smell of brimstone. <laughs> right, right. They're kind. They're, oh, they're, I see. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they they didn't put a word bubble for that. Where Wolverine's like, "Gosh, that brimstone smell sure is." You <laughs> sure do stink. Yeah, amazing. I'm. That's maybe they couldn't fit it in the panel. Right. I. I uh, he's got his brown and 
and uh, oh, the brown yellow. and yellows. We were this talking about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also like uh, Rachel Summers in this like pantsuit. I think that's really cool. Incredible oh yeah, she looks yes, great. You know yes, I mean? with like, the slick back hair. I think that's like a cool design. The yellow choice, shoes, you know I mean? amazing. Well, I mean, check out Rogue. How she's got that jacket, that kind of like Lobster Johnson oh, I jacket love this that kind jacket. of buttons mm-hmm. up like that. That's super cool. I, I mean, we all Colossus, know that Colossus and Cyclops are the ones that look the goofiest. Yeah. Well, Storm's, <laughs> right? Storm's outfit is something that I would love to wear to numbers at any given Friday. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> These are all fantastic. I mean, yeah, and you've got. I mean, Cyclops is still in his big old underpants, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Cyclops doesn't get too many people who can really really ride him i think sometimes people don't know what to do with him they've made him more oh, of a I, I totally yeah. agree with you that in, in yeah comics they've done some interesting stuff with yeah. him. i think yeah yeah but no i think well, you're right. this is an interesting choice for these characters some of them no i i totally agree that some writers don't just don't seem to grasp me i think um louis simonson did a really good job with him in mm. x factor mm-hmm. okay yeah oh yeah that x factor shit was awesome yeah who who should get as much credit for the X-Men stuff going on in the 80s, ask Claremont because she wrote some amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. On. yeah. right on. All the shit that Rob Liefeld got famous for is written by her. Right. Yep. It <laughs> really true. is. It's true. X-Force. We get a little comment from Rogue like, well, he tried to tickle me one time. He's not going to be doing that anytime oh, soon. okay. Yeah. Oh, Everyone's yeah. got their little two cents about the tickling that's happening right now. <laughs> it's very cute. Anyway. Well, and Kitty mentions he's supposed to be the team leader. Right. So this kind of shows that they need a leader. It's kind of like setting that yeah. up, I guess, that plot point. Yeah, and then, like you said, and then uh, Madeline asked Kitty to hold the baby while she wants to go talk to Storm. Look at this uh, she and... dance fever outfit we I know, have here. Right? I was just going to say. Just, she's a maniac, maniac on the floor. How do you, how do you describe the this? Yeah. The shoulder pads and the... The belt on top of it. The, is this is a, so 1980s. It very much is. It's like the boots are very much giving leg warmer vibes, and you've got the like yeah, the yeah. powder blue tights going up to the bodysuit that has the shoulder pads and everything. Oh yeah, amazing. Uh, so Madeline and Storm they go off to talk, and they're they're, they're just having small talk, and like Madeline's talking about how like when she and Scott first got together, everything was great, but he keeps getting pulled back into the X Men, and it's just you know. She thought that, like, now that she had a baby, he would, like, the, care about that. Wanted, but yeah, he just he wants want... to do the X-Men still. <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, this is literally you your know, fault just... for having a baby with Cyclops, but okay. <laughs> and they, you know, turn the page, they keep talking and all that. And it, and it really comes out, like, you know, when they all got back from Asgard, see X-Men Annual 9. Um, <laughs> I love it. Everybody, except for Scott, checked in on Madeline. You know, they all called to check and see how she was doing. Wow. But her own husband, the father of her baby, didn't because he's too obsessed with being the leader of the X. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, would you know, Storm, kick him to Storm, the curb. Yeah, no, Storm tries to reassure Madeline that um, that Scott really does love her. But she's like, I'm just not so sure. Before we go any further, I just want to say I really like this version of Madeline Pryor because, I mean, this is the Madeline Pryor that I actually really like. I mean, I love her turn to the dark side with the goblin queen and all that but this madeline Pryor, the one who wasn't supposed to be a clone of jean gray i just really like this particular character and i think you know claremont did a really good job with this remind us a little bit of what happened with madeline Pryor, right because she this one was Uh, not supposed to be the clone but then they're explain all that so this was supposed to be like 
Claremont retiring Cyclops and he and Madeline were going to go off and just live their life and raise this baby. But the powers that be in Marvel wanted to relaunch the uh, original X-Men team. So they brought Jean back from the dead, which they weren't, which they said they weren't going to do. And they brought Cyclops, you know, um, and then so that rips Cyclops away from his family. And it ends up bringing Madeline back to the X-Men. And then she starts planning her own kind of revenge and kind of, you know, gets involved with demons and becomes the Goblin Queen. And during the whole Inferno storyline, it turns out that she was actually a clone created by Mr. Sinister. Uh, That's how they're retconning out of it. And then they send the baby to the future to become Cable. Because exactly. it gets the techno organic virus. Amazing. Yes. So incredible. Uh, yeah. Incredible. <laughs> this and this is this is the shit. The reason I love comics, like crap yes, like that, is the stuff I love it. for sure. Because. I mean, we don't even get into the whole fight, like Inferno, like Madeline and Jean get into a fight, and there's the whole thing with the Phoenix, and now, and then, like, when Madeline died, she got all of her and Phoenix's memory, so, like, Jean was all of a sudden oh, three right. people in yeah, one yeah. For, for a little bit. It's just sort of like, okay. <laughs> Interdimensional soap opera. Yes. Yeah. I love Fucking, it. It's so good. I love this goofy shit. But this is like, you know, Madeline wasn't supposed to be a mutant. She wasn't supposed to have power. She was just supposed to be a normal woman that happened to look exactly like Jean Grey that Scott could fall in love with and she, go have a she's life. She's just some guy. Other than right. being the X-Men. Yeah. 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 And, and, and they did make a pretty good character out of her. I like in this scene how the Oliver kind of changes the color palette, too. You know, they're having like this serious oh, yeah. moment. We came out of this goofy shit. And now, like, it's all kind of blue, you know, there's kind of like this It's got blue, that but... blue tone to it, yeah. yeah. I think that's really cool. It, it, it sets that scene up well. We've got so much hairstyles happening yeah. all the time in this book. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. fantastic. And then uh, we cut back over to uh, Kitty holding the baby. She, Kitty is passing the baby off to Rachel, and she's Everyone's like... Everyone's crying. She's like, hey, kiddo, say hello to your big sister. And she's like, Cyclops doesn't know yet. So this is like... Nobody knows. That, I mean, I guess the only Kitty's the only one that knows that Rachel is from the future, and it's actually Cyclops and Jean's daughter from a future that never will happen. Right. <laughs> God, that's so weird. But she like she links She's, she links them their minds right with the yes. baby, and then they all just kind of get this kind of like oh kind of sad look. I mean, not sad. But I guess it's more like a. What I don't are, know. Like, what are babies' thoughts? I yeah. guess it's probably something really just pure or just kind of like. Oh, you're such a little worm. Yeah, a little, yeah. little probably it probably feels like uh like a bubble. Warmth and comfort and yeah. love yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's interesting. What does a baby think of? Like what is a baby thinking? Food, right? Or just either comfort or discomfort. Yeah. Probably at all times. So if it's either it, one or the yeah. other. I'm so sure if the baby's like, not crying, yeah. it's feeling comfort. Probably. And so that probably feels super good. Yeah. Sleep yeah. like a baby. That's yeah. really yeah. Which is terrible. Don't sleep like a baby, hopefully, because they, they are terrible at sleeping. They're terrible at it. And then we cut over to Cyclops when he's outside, and he still hasn't taken off his uniform yet. And he's like, he's thinking about, he can't him. believe that he's a father. Um, and he really wishes the professor was here to, to celebrate this with him. And I'm like, dude. Go celebrate with your wife. Yeah, really. And your baby. Cooper. He's like, and I your friends. En- I can't enjoy this because prof- that bald guy isn't here. Let me, let me, uh, I gotta right? read this. I'm sorry, Aubrey. Oh, I have yeah. to read this. Go, go ahead. Go this ahead. This is go a ahead. thought bubble. This is a thought bubble. Okay, Scott Summers. Why aren't you here, professor, to share that joy with me? He's, he's thinking this to himself. Careful, Cyclops. Remember what he taught you. I can't open my eyes to the slightest bit. Till I don my ruby quartz glasses or my optic blasts will level whatever's in front of me. There. 
That's safely done. Where are you, <laughs> Professor Xavier? What happened in Paris between you and Magneto? Can we trust him? Is he telling the truth? It's the most incredible fucking yeah, set of thought bubbles so I have oh, ever I fucking it. seen in my life. Mm, a plus. Well, well, and it's like they got to... They have to remind anybody if you don't know about the ruby quartz glasses. Well, it's, it's, it's everybody like, could every comic yeah. could be someone's first comic. Yes, right. So it's just kind of like well, that like, was a uh, yeah. That, that was an edict of Jim Shooter. Uh, he said like yeah. every, he was like everybody's comic should be their first one. So yeah. you got to explain everything. But <laughs> I wonder, like, I mean, over the years, obviously they've they've found better ways to do this, right? They found oh, other yes, ways to do this. Yeah. I should say make not necessarily I mean it's just it's just this it's a style choice, right. but I think that we found different narrative yeah ways to bring this into the story. Yeah, so. and so I, I guess we should address this too like this is at issue 201, so at the end of like I think at the end of the 199 issues like Professor X went with into space with Lalandra and the Star Jammers, yeah, right? Of, at at the end of issue 200, yeah. Oh, that was at the end of 200 and then Magneto mm -hmm. He's got the purple big M costume, and he becomes a leader. Love that costume, awesome. and that's the costume they're using in the new X Men yes. cartoon that's going to yes. come yes. out. Yes, and he's got the long uh, hair. Yeah. God, it's going to be yeah. awesome. Such a rock star. Uh, that I man. cannot wait to see that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> but I think at this point, Scott Summers, careful, so I will remember what he taught you about. Yeah, like this is a, something he does daily. Yeah. <laughs> For years, for like at least a decade. No, he just saw his baby. Exactly. He's frazzled. He's like, I hate this baby. Oh wait, I forgot <laughs> about my glasses. You know, I think. I mean, it's like, John. Every morning when you wake up and you put your fucking glasses, you're like, wait, John, you won't be able to see. You'll crash straight into the fucking yeah. dresser if you don't put your fucking glasses on. Remember, John. John you can't drive safely or navigate the world without your glasses. You must put them on. What would happen if you didn't have them? Surely a wreck would occur. Incredible. There. That's safely, safely done. done. <laughs> anyway, amazing. And all that happens in a split second as you're waking up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next page is uh, uh, just an amazing jammers. shift. Yeah. I, I love so how they could just go all around to just... Some cosmic weirdness, some space fucking weird looking spaceships in the middle of fucking space. Awesome. I'll be I'll be honest. I actually just skimmed this part because it didn't really apply to the rest of the story. Uh, yeah. I but, like this guy though. I like uh, this guy one? with the frog. The green mouth one. Man. Uh, was it just like Chode or something like that? Chod or Chode or Chod, Surely yeah. not. Surely his name is not Chode. Well, she says loud. I know, but she, that yeah, cannot be that how you pronounce it. That's it. Well, what is it? It's Chod then. Chod. It's got to be Chod. It can't yeah. be Chode. Yeah. I, honestly, this is one of the things I've never heard out loud, so who knows? Let us know, listeners. How do you pronounce it? Mm. Pronunciation corner is back. Um, yeah. One thing that's cool uh, about this, though, is we do see Carol Danvers as binary. Yes. That had yes. also just happened like in 196 or 194 or something like that. I have that issue, too. But mm -hmm. um, do you remember what, how, why she becomes binary, what all that is? Okay. So uh, Mystique sicked Rogue onto... Uh, Miss Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers, and she absorbed too much of her power and uh, personality that she kind of became like an, a, a shell of herself. And Professor Xavier right. was able to restore some of herself back to herself. And then somehow she got powers. I can't remember right off the top of my head. Right. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, what, and went, it went into space. <laughs> yeah. There was an episode of the X Men cartoon that was absolutely. Oh, yeah. Fucked. It was like about that. Yeah. But like, 
in yeah. the in the movie, you know, like at the end of the if you've seen the Captain Marvel movie, at the end of the movie where she like she's free of that thing that's holding her powers back, and then she turns all bright. Like that's her going binary. Right. Like it's like yes. like, that, that's what I thought of when I saw that in the movie. I was like, oh shit, that's the binary mode or whatever. So yes. Yeah, anyway, that's pretty and. Cool. Uh, and, and interesting enough is like you know when she before she got her binary power she only had like flight and strength because like oh, you know okay. yeah because because um uh, also during this during this particular time carol danvers personality would come out in rogue all the time right yeah because yeah. that's mm-hmm. where rogue got her all her her powers uh, got her got her her flight and her strength and yeah. all that but uh there would even be like there's even like this like couple of issues where rogue gets like knocked out or something and carol takes over and it's yeah. like it's like Carol Danvers and Wolverine on an adventure on a train. That's pretty cool. Oh, okay, cool. We should come back yeah. and check that issue out. <laughs> um, yeah, all this stuff on the ship is is funny because it's just a, it's just like the other half of the Cyclops conversation. It's Professor X going, "Did I do the right thing? Was it wrong yes. to leave the kids in the hands of Magneto? Well, I'm thinking about all my students and what are they doing? Did Cyclops remember to put on his glasses? Because I was there to remind." <laughs> Um, oh, he's but, also walking. This this Professor X is currently walking. Oh, you're right. And, I don't remember uh, how that oh, happens. Yeah. And not in his chair. Well, well it, I mean, however, I, every any given time. Sorry, Aubrey, go ahead. Well, at the end of issue 200, because I went back and looked at it before we... I'm so oh, glad. I'm so glad we have uh, Aubrey on this show sometimes. This you happens just, constantly. You just uh, know this yeah. stuff. It's great. He... Uh, uh, he was like, uh, he was almost dead. He was like dying. And he made Magneto promise to reform himself, to be who he can always be and change the school. And he's like, I'm about to die. Lalandra and, and uh, Corsair show up and be like, come on to our ship. And now this next issue, he's like, hey, guys, I'm fine. I'm walking around. Yeah. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. Oh, OK. So we didn't see what happened, but they like were able to fix yeah. him up somehow. And they, they use space magic. Yeah, space <laughs> sure. magic. And then they, they, they kind of also plant this seed that he may never be able to go back. You know, the yeah. Star Jammers are like, oh, well, this is happening and there's a whatever. We can go over here and we don't think we're going to make it back to Earth. And maybe not ever. The Star Jammers. Right. So it's kind of like the, setting fuck, that yeah. up too that maybe Professor X will never lead the X-Men again. There's this, Even though he will. There, there's even this. Uh, <laughs> exactly. There's this uh, two issue. Um. Like prestige format, X Men Star presents the Star Jammers. It's with Professor Xavier with the team and all that. Oh, it's actually nice. it's pretty cool. You get to see Professor Xavier become Phoenix for at least a couple what? of hours. Wow! Yes, that's amazing. That's worth checking yes. out just for that. Excellent. Uh, what about this if guy I can find with, him, I'll bring him over. What about this guy with the facial hair here? Corsair. That's Cyclops' dad. That's Cyclops' dad. Yeah, that's Corsair. Space yeah. pirate. Yeah, he's the, he's the leader of the Star Jammers. Space Jammers. pirate extraordinaire. And, Haver uh, of facial hair. You know, but Professor X is all worried about his students, and Lalandra's like, hey, dude, we're in space. Just Let's just make out. Can you, yeah, can you <laughs> He's like, all right. <laughs> I love the design of all this space stuff. I think it's fantastic. Oh, I, it's I, so great. I've always loved the design of Lalandra. Yeah. I would love to see them try to translate that. I think it would look, it would translate cool. Oh, yeah. I think it would Absolutely. be like, yeah. be I, I think cool. you could take the character from the comic and translate it straight onto the movie, and it would still look pretty Awesome. Excellent eyebrows, excellent eye makeup. Ten out of ten. Her weird hair thing, helmet, whatever yes. it is. I mean, that's fucking rad. Anyway, aren't they like the Shiarora family? Aren't they supposed to be like, like you know how like humans are descended from primates and like aren't they supposed to be descended from like birds or something like that? Cool. Oh right, yeah. Like Death Bird is her sister, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's why she has that headpiece. Death Man, they could do Bird. some cool shit like that. Anyway, yeah. man. 
I'm into it. Oh, fucking, I love it. But and then, and but you know, I mean, even though this weird side tangent that has nothing to do with the rest of the comic is another thing that's great about the Claremont run because oh, yeah. he'll just he'll just throw in some stuff. And then he won't touch it for years. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come back and you go, oh, shit. Remember on X-Men 201 when we saw some fucking oh, Professor so- Xavier? Now they're picking that up or whatever. So yeah. good. Yeah. Back at the school, we see Sam Gunthrie Cannonball. He is working on his term paper and the computer crashes. And he's like, no, I'll never <laughs> be able to get this back. Meanwhile, everybody else is playing baseball. <laughs> This is one thing that I love about X-Men comics, so too, good. is there's always a scene where they're just doing some shit like uh-huh. this, playing basketball uh-huh. or playing baseball playing or baseball. doing something, and it's like... It's the X-Mansion. It's so fun. I yeah. love this stuff. I really yeah. do. When I got to this scene, I was like, man, this takes me back. Fan fiction's delight. Yeah, although I cannot recommend, probably, probably don't play baseball in uh, Bikini Bottoms. I thought that's a weird choice for a character that can't be touched by yeah. anyone playing a full contact right. sport Seems. and wearing hardly like pretty much underwear and a shirt that's barely on. Well, I yeah. mean, I'm not saying that she shouldn't wear that for any other reason other than, like you said, A, it might pose a threat or a danger to other people, but B... What if you do a slide? Like you get a That's big bruise saying. or a yeah, scratch yeah. or something. Yeah. It seems like that wouldn't be safe for her. <laughs> I I have no problem with anyone wearing as little clothing as they want. That's totally oh, yeah, fine. No. I'm just saying. I it's think not what we're saying it looks savvy. dangerous. Yeah. It looks like that might yeah. not be. That would be painful. Um, but uh, you know, I I also don't think Wolverine would be there. <laughs> at all <laughs> i think he would not be there hey he's hanging out having some beers and i yeah. think he would not be there i think he would no, no, absolutely no, no. He, not he, be there he looks like he's heckling colossus yeah okay yeah. maybe to heckle maybe to heckle he would absolutely be there to drink beer and heckle for sure so kitty's pitching colossus is uh up to bat and it's strike two sphinx bata bata sphinx bata that's <laughs> what we've got this is what we've got nightcrawler saying yeah, and then like Wolverine's like, kid's got a wicked fastball. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. He's got you a know. glove. Like he's playing. Oh, look but... at it. Look at the heels on his cowboy boots. I know. He's out there in cowboy Those boots. Those are like three or right? four inch heels. Well, you know, he, he maybe he's like, you know, wanting to feel a little taller. Right now. There you go. Because yeah. he is 5'3. I don't think he'd care. But Kid has a wicked fastball. He's talking about Kitty Pride, and Kitty Pride is like his little protege. Right? Absolutely. So yes. There you go. Well, yeah. At of, the time. He's being, maybe he's there being encouraging for that, too. Sure. You know? Well, no, actually, he's actually got a baseball glove on. So uh, that's what I said. He's got a glove. Yeah. What's he doing? Uh, There's no way. Uh, he and um, Nightcrawler are talking about Cyclops' ability to lead the team, and Wolverine's like, who says he's going to? He crushes his That's beer can. Good. That's a good line. Right. I love that. And then Kitty throws the next one. She goes, here comes Colossus, my fastball. And as he swings, he switches into his Colossus form. That is form such a cool panel. It's he, really cool. He transforms into Ugh. Colossus midway through the swing. It looks really it's cool. S- so cool. And he just slams that ball. I love Kitty's face. Her facial expression is fantastic. She's like, I think that one will reach orbit. Amazing. <laughs> but Rogue goes after it. She flies up it. there. And uh, flies past the Air Force One. <laughs> and goes and kisses the window. Boo! We see, we see Ronald Reagan Famously in there. Famously terrible man. One of the worst men to ever live. Did more awful things than a lot of other people combined. And when he goes, Agreed. I think we better keep this between ourselves. I would have preferred if she had flown straight through the fucking airplane (laughs) and just like ripped it in half and exploded it and it fell to earth and crashed, killing everyone aboard. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
instead of kissing also, it. I, I, I kind of feel like that this this particular like you know thing with Air Force One and her kissing the window and like keeping it to ourselves is a little homage to Superman One. Okay. Where the uh, lightning strikes the engine and it blows up, and then Superman has to go fly, and then the pilot's like, trust the other guy, just don't look out there, just fly." Oh, you know? okay. That might be a reference yeah. to that. I like that. Good, uh, good detail there. It would have been cuter if it was like a passenger plane, and there was like a little kid, and they were like, well, "Mom, what's this?" And she was like, "Shut, shut it, shut up. I don't want to hear about it." There's a lady <laughs> yeah. flying around outside <laughs> oh, the plane. Right. They do that. You know a what lot I mean, time, or whatever. Yeah. She's like, catch- Mom, there's a lady catching a baseball outside the play. That's nice, dear. You know, something like that. I mean, it's cliche, but it's also not yeah. kissing Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're back down. Uh, it looks like the aftermath of the game. This one panel at the top of the thing kind of throws me off because it kind of looks like Kitty is floating. Oh, right. Maybe she, I don't know. Maybe she is. Maybe she, like, uses her intangibility powers to get enough drop and float into the room where Sam is, like, Freaking out over his term she paper. She is. She's walking into the second story of the yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah, so she is floating yeah. up. Huh. That's interesting. Can she do that? I guess. I mean, I guess, I guess if so. she's shifting her molecules through air molecules. Yeah. I mean, that's phasing up, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, air has molecules in it, obviously. Yeah. That's that's so, how they say vision flies. So Yeah. You know. She can phase through literally any type of substance, including air. So she could literally uh, do anything. She could go to space constantly, just constantly be in space. Kitty walks in and she sees that he's freaking out. She goes, no problem, man. I'm your bona fide grade eight number one cutest can be computer whiz. Uh, this sucker up and running in a gif. Fucking is Sam's she, got all so the little bubbly hearts. She, she's not with Colossus right now. I don't think, I don't so. think okay. so. But I like that that was one of her attributes that she was a computer whiz. She's a computer yeah, person. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. I always like when she phases through stuff. I always think that looks cool. I never get tired of it. And I like how the next thing is like much, much later. She goes, me and my big mouth. I'm surprised I sorted out that mess. I offered to to solve computer problems for someone. What the fuck was I thinking? But I'm glad he got his term paper back. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) As someone who lost their notes recently. You should have had Kitty helping. I know. I should have. And Kitty is like walking up to Storm. And Storm is like reminding her that she has an ophthalmology appointment. I thought that was interesting. Like, Like, what, do the X-Men have an ophthalmologist there? And I imagine. Right. Or they go out for their appointments, I guess. But honestly, I don't think I've ever seen Kitty wear glasses. I mean, I can't. I'm trying to think. I've never seen her wear glasses in any comic. So, okay. Interesting. I guess yeah. I guess she passed. <laughs> also, how is a completely unrelated person scheduling doctor's appointments for you? <laughs> hey, I don't think they the let 80s. you do that. It's the 80s. Oh, they okay. let you do anything. That is true. I was going to say, uh, I know Claremont had had Storm kind of have like a maternal role towards Kitty for a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, her wings are on point. The I eyeliner. do. I love that picture of her right there. Of Her face is really good. Oh, oh yeah. Sharp and crisp. Rickley and Artie. I love these faces. Um, but I did have to look this up because I noticed on her cap it says Babosa Sluggers. And I couldn't really find a reference to that. But there's a blog that's been deleted. So when I click on the link, it says the server cannot be found. But when I Google it, you can read part of the entry. Okay. And it says Babosa Sluggers from Uncanny X-Men 201. Is this a shout out to... Gilbert Hernandez Palomar delicacy on Kitty Pride's baseball cap. I guess it was called Babosa or something. I don't know what that is. But I also noticed that weird detail too. So if anyone knows anything about that, let us know. 
but then also like storm is asking kitty to take her shower in the gym she's like why can't i use the one in my room she's like hey who's that fighting coming from your attic he goes well let scott and madeline you know have my room yeah so we cut to the middle of the the fight between scott and madeline scott is saying that he has to lead the team and madeline's like why to to lead the team (laughs) because professor xavier's gone and magneto I love this. And Magneto, the X-Men's oldest, deadliest foe. Is a child. Child. She's like, I know. I know, Scott. I know that. Like, he says he's reformed, but he's promised the professor he'd take good care of the new mutants. I'll just he's bet like, he will. He's like, for all we know, he may have murdered the professor himself. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and then she's like, well, why can't Storm lead the team? She's like, Storm doesn't have any powers. I mean, she would just put it, the team at a liability. And Sorry, it's just I, like, I just also I, real quick, she's like, you know, I've got to like a career and like a whole lot. Like, do you expect me to just just forget about all that and throw it all away? And he's like, oh, I thought like the baby changed all that, bro. What the fuck? That's pretty fuck, shitty. Dude. That's yeah. a fucked up thing to say. She's like, wow, uh, it's like both of our child, both of us have a responsibility. I've got skills and I've got a job and I'm lo- I'm earning a living. Can you say the same thing? Yeah, yeah. And it's that's an incredible panel because she's just like, what? Fuck yeah. you, man. Like, are you kidding? And yeah. he's like, oh, I thought you were going to take care of the baby now. Bro, yeah, like this guy I... is an absolute fucking jackass. Right? He's like, he's a he's treating her like crap. He's ignoring her. He's pining about the professor and his glasses. <laughs> he can't she, even he, be happy. He does mention that Storm has no magical powers right now. Mutant uh, powers. No, no, yeah. 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 That that whole thing was weird because I mean she she lost her powers for like a good like three years yeah I think, she lost you know? her mutant powers but she grew up like a thief and all, she has all these other skills yeah she has like fighting skills I mean? they've like, all been trained yeah. basically danger. like all the but even before that wasn't she like whatever Gambit is yeah right? basically isn't he like, yeah. yeah he's like some part of some totally like uh, the assassins or something yes like the, guild yeah, the guild of assassins or whatever assassins. that's what or it is guild yeah. of thieves or whatever something yeah. like that. And they're yeah. they're good at this stuff is what is what yeah. you're trying to say, right? Yeah. So like Scott's like, ah, oh, she's a liability, and I'm like, sir, <laughs> I don't oh, know about f- this. And plus, like, she's she's a really good leader too, because I remember I was reading like some of the earlier Claremont stuff. Wolverine was like talking to the smack, and Storm's like, no, you're not going to do that. He's like, who's going to make me? And she's like, I will. And Wolverine's like, all right, yeah, you know. <laughs> and she's she's making some good points here. Are you saying that only you are and you alone are absolutely essential to the X-Men survival or are you afraid that your life is so hollow, your sense of self-worth so fragile that you believe you're nothing without them? What about me? Like, I am prioritizing you. Are you yeah, saying that, that you're not? Right. So this whole page is just her like, you, you're not. Did, none of this makes any fucking sense are you for real right yeah, now bro like exactly. what the hell is wrong with you what the fuck man I, I, and he's I, just like i have a duty right i'm totally deranged and delusional and she's just like you are you are deranged and delusional i can't fucking believe this and, and i think this is where we really get like what is so amazing about chris claremont and his writing because there is all this goofiness but like there are t- they're talking about real things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. They're talking about real mm-hmm. issues. And I, and I love how this scene is framed because it starts off with Storm going, hey, Kitty, what's all that yelling up there? And she's like, oh, they're fighting. Then we see the fight, and then there's like a pause in the fight. There's a lull where they both just stop, and they're not yeah. hit, which, which does happen when you're fighting. And then yeah. Storm butts herself in. She's like, hey. I'm, now I'm in this Are too. we going to fucking do this or what? I think that is so mm-hmm. because like yeah. she was hearing it. So then what happened next is she went in there and listened and she waited for there to be a lull. And then she's like, 
oh, I hear them talking about me too. Yeah. So let's do yeah. this. Let's fucking do this. I think that exactly. is so cool. And it's, it's a well-written scene. You know what I mean? Like, I think like this is where you're getting what is so special about Chris Claremont are these kind of like character moments and the way that he puts these scenes together. She's like, hey, by the way, let's have a fucking duel. And uh, exactly. <laughs> you're just a total shitbag to your girlfriend. Let's have a fucking duel. She's like, uh, unless, of course, you would rather ste- step aside. She and gave he's him like, a chance. No. Wow. And just, yeah. And she just, he walks down and leaves Madeline alone with the baby. It's disappointing you know? in a number of ways. I love this panel yeah. where Storm is walking down and you just see Madeline with the baby and all the, like, in the sun coming out. It's like, anyway, all that I, stuff. I, yeah. I went, well, I mean, like, this, sorry, this whole, I was like, this whole page is great. Like, at the top two panels where it's like two panels, but it's really one, and but, you know, they're separated and Cyclops yeah. is staring away from her and she's sitting down on that cushion with her legs up to her chest and her arms wrapped around her and stuff like that and it's just like you could kind of feel her isolation yeah the body language is amazing yeah and then we cut over to the danger room where the new mutants are training with magneto right we get amazing i was like we haven't seen magneto in this whole thing but he's training the new mutants in there and we get to see the whole team i thought that was pretty cool he's got the short hair i prefer the long hair but i do love his outfit yeah yeah can't see the big M, but he's still it's still like that Amazing. like nice fuchsia magenta. He's so balletic as well. And I love the way that his powers are depicted here. I think they look it's good. It's nice, yeah. Yeah. So Cyclops, you know, he kicks him out of the danger room so he and Storm can have their duel. He asks, uh, who does he ask? Rude also. Very rude. Like, you're terminating their session early so that you can come in here and have a stupid little fucking duel. Like, I don't know. That's a bit rude. But Magneto's even like, well, Cyclops wasn't, wouldn't do this without a good reason, so just do Right, it. yeah. He kind of, he stands yeah. by him, yeah. you know, which I think is like, you know, he does have some of that leadership. I love this bottom panel where they all rush in to see. Yeah. They're all trying yeah. to look through the window it's to absolutely see. They're like, happen. oh, it reminds me of the Matrix where... The, exactly. Easy, I was about to say the same thing. Neo. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> thing. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I love that yeah, moment. And they're like, and Storm's like, Cypher, can you program us an appropriate environment, please? Oh, hey, Ilyana. And, Ilyana's here, by the way. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And so they get loaded up in this kind of like, uh, I don't know, post-apocalyptic looking area. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And Cyclops is like, I'm going to make this short and sweet and fires his optic beam at her. And she just easily dodges well, away from after it. after he reminds himself what the danger room is. Oh, right, yeah. Even though he's yes. been in there every oh, day yes, fucking like life for the past the, decade. Yes, there's, there's a lot of dialogue of reminding us what the danger room is and how mm. it smells and everything and you know, all the, you know, we know all this. Um, I love the Zark. Yeah, I love a Zark. That that sound effect right there in the Optic yeah. Blast. I think that is so cool. That is such a cool throwback panel right there. I love that. These are the Optic Blasts that are more like... They're like a concussive they push blast. You. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's more like they'll push you real right, hard. Instead right. of, they don't, it's not like a laser that will like burn through you or something. Right, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. I like these, the splatter effect that's on like the cover, for example. The way that it oh, looks yeah. on the cover. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really cool depiction of the optic blast. I really like that a lot. She's uh, blocking my optic beam with my own arm. Oh, that is so good. That's yeah, a sweet he's move. Like, he's yeah, she, he's she, not she, like, skipping his, his squat days either. He's not skipping uh he's not yeah. skipping leg day. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Looking good. Well, I like how like he, he's sitting there thinking like, okay, she's using the environment. I gotta think like her and figure out her next move. You can't. And he's like, she's and better at this than you, bro. While she's taking off her belt and like knocks him to the ground and blocks your optic blast and gets away. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> While he's thinking of all this, she's just reacting and doing her thing. She grew up doing yeah. this as a kid. Like, there's, I mean, you cannot 
at that point, it's just second nature to her to fight like this. He's never going to be able to do it. And then like, we cut over to them watching the battle and like they're, you know, ooh, Cyclops easily escapes yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, and Kitty's like, there's no secret who you're rooting for. And, and Wolverine's like, Aurora can do the job. Scott can't. Not anymore. His head may be in it, but his heart's not. And so I think that's actually really true. Really good yeah. assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Insightful. Yeah. And if anyone's going to cut right to the heart of the matter, it's going to be Wolverine. He's going to be like, look, she can do it. He can't. What the fuck are we all standing around here for? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that yeah. that's very much something. I, but I do like him right next to Magneto. And then both like, yeah, it looks like she's doing the thing. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's going to be fine, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just very much like, I love that. They're, I wonder. Um, it's just such a fucking, yeah. what a weird situation. It's yeah. so fan fiction, and I just love it so much. This is not only an official fucking X-Men book, but it's like one of the more famous issues. I wonder what it says on on uh, Colossus. Colossus shirt. Shirt here, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's got some sort of Russian on there. If anyone knows what that is, I'd be interested to know. It's got to mean something. I hope it's some sort of a meme or something. Just yeah. Like funny. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, you know, we're back in the danger room, and Scott is, like, thinking again, why doesn't Madeline understand I have a duty? But to her, too, I suppose, she's right. Am I so afraid? And he's just like, dude, get your head in the game. The well, professor was always more my father than my real father. What are you shouldn't doing? Shouldn't a son naturally want to take his fight. father's place? Gosh. Well, and, and that's what Wolverine just said. He was like, look, all this is blunting his instincts. It's going to catch up with him. And then we cut to him, and he's not in it. He's thinking about yeah. all this other dumb stuff. Yeah. Storm gets a drop on him again, and he has to, like, you know, blast that rubble that she dropped on him. I do like that middle panel. Uh, that is so cool, like, as the rubble is falling on him. Yes. Oh, the, I, I love all the art, and it's just some really good stuff. Yeah. You know? He's, like, dodged that, and he's like, I was lucky. I've got to stop daydreaming, or I'm in big trouble. Why can't I figure Storm out? Where is she? What is she going to do while she's, like... <laughs> stalking him yeah (laughs) she's she's got you man and then uh we cut back to madeline up in the uh, i guess storm's attic and she's like the reservations are made baby one way or another we're going home with or without scott you know good for her yeah yeah i like how it starts raining you know where did that storm come from i mean but she's not supposed to have her powers here right so is that implicitly telling us that she's getting them back or is it just a coincidence well, narratively, you know, it's an it's a very interesting yeah, thing to do. Yeah, narratively, it's very she's interesting. Thinking about leaving her boyfriend, even though they just had a baby together, and she's like, "Oh, even you know, it's kind of makes you feel like, oh, even though it's raining, like, yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. I'll be okay, yeah. baby, we'll Cause, be all right, or yeah, whatever." Yeah, like. yeah, because Storm wouldn't get her powers back for a couple of more uh, years in the uh, Follow the Mutant storyline. And this is so maybe this is more like a, it's, it's a, a storm's a coming. Storm, yeah. A storm's a coming. Yeah, yeah. She go. is. She's yeah. coming for him. There you go. Look at her. Cut to Look this at next this panel. panel. This is an incredible panel. The 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 body language throughout this whole issue has been awesome. Rick Leonardi, yeah, this I'm is loving really it. the yeah. movement and the. Uh, it's really all of the anatomy is obviously very exaggerated, but not in a way that's uncomfortable. It's pleasing to look at because it it serves the story instead of you know distracting yeah. from the story which i which i very much enjoy for comic book art that's as good as that gets i think that's you know you're gonna have to exaggerate it. yeah. that's what makes it you know that so yeah. i think anyway i i love the style is what i'm trying to say i think it's um it's just classic right it's this classic shit man and this this fucking panel where she's leaping after him awesome yeah, yeah. i and, <clears throat> and i keep shining on rick leonardi but it, it's wills portatio inking him 
So I wonder, oh, yeah. I wonder what Leonardi's right. stuff looks like inked by other people. Right. You know, what I mean, because Wills has his own style, yeah. and he would come, to, he would come to become famous for that too. So I wonder if like this is kind of you're seeing the seeds of what he would later go on to do. The lighting here, the color is good too, as just the uh, the super red saturated really oversaturated like uh super cool optic blast yeah and then like as it kind of reflects off of them zapam (laughs) (laughs) and that like dual tone anyway it's good stuff and i love you know she 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 leaps at him she jumps over him she grabs his visor grabs his visor and then cyclops thinks to himself i have to keep my eyes closed and covered (laughs) the ruby quartz lens and my visor is my sole means of controlling my optic blast Without it, and she cuts him off. You know, we, you told us this a few panels ago. <laughs> you're helpless. <laughs> you're gonna kill everyone around you. You lose. Like you're help. You, you, it's over. Right. I won. Yeah. Our duel is over. She turns around to- towards the crowd. The duel's over. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then the, the danger room goes back to being, you know, the blank room. Right. Um, and he's like, "The best X Men one storm. Congratulations and good luck." I don't believe it. I'm dreaming. This isn't happening. I lost. I lost. That's what he's thinking. In, in the <laughs> I don't like it, but I'll have to learn to live with it. There's no more place for me here. I wonder if after all I've said and done, if there's any now with Madeline. I hope not. Yeah, that, that is, hope that's not. also a shitty thing to think. He's like, well, let me see if that plan B is whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to do that other thing, what but I guess now bloke. I have to or else I'll just be a lonely man. He's nicer to Storm than he was to his own girlfriend. He's like, congratulations. You won. Oh, his square. own wife. Good job. <laughs> yes. Oh, wife. Excuse me. Sorry. They're married. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I thought that was very sporting of him. And then he turns around, like you said, Johnny's like, yeah, well, she's taking me back. Yeah. Maybe I can do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. One thing, I mean, we, we talk about the X-Men all the time being progressive and being allegories for minorities and all this stuff. I love this line, the best X-Men won, Storm. Right. It's like, yes. that is like, people talk about too woke and all this kind of stuff, but it's in there. Yeah. It's in the classic stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's been I, there from the start. It's been there from the start, but I, I love lines like that. You know what I mean? I don't I mean? think anyone who would say stuff like too woke unironically are interested in well-reasoned arguments. Sure. I don't think they care. <laughs> oh, I'm being ser- totally serious. I don't think they give a fuck, John. I really right. don't. No, and but so I, that's but why reasoning with them and showing it, arguments is never going to work. Just but ignore it's so, them. But, but it's so pervasive to say... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're only doing this now because of this, and it's like, no, no. they've been doing this. Oh, yeah. They've been doing this yeah. stuff. So anyway, I, I don't know. That's a whole crazy. other yeah, argument. Absolutely. Let's not go down that. But I, I love that line. The best X Men won. He shakes her hand. Yeah. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like that's, e- that's equality too right woke, there. I mean, John, here's too two, woke. Here's two people. They're, <laughs> they're they're different races. One's a man. One's a woman. That's too woke. You know what I mean? I think that. Oh no. no. That uh, I think that that's a cool panel. Why are they putting and... people who are not white? That's so. Uh... Why, are, why are there not white straight men in my comics everywhere? I only want white straight men. <laughs> They're only doing that because I only want to see buff men in my comics. Oh my There's no reason. There's no reason for it. <laughs> so stupid. No, but uh, no, I totally, obviously, we definitely agree with you. And we and we also know that it, it won't last between Scott and Madeline because I think it was like less than a year later X Factor One launched, and so Cyclops will find out Jean's left, really? Jean's alive, and just just leaves leaves her and the baby in Alaska. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was that soon after. And then what yeah. And then how long did Storm lead the X Men? Uh, Storm led him all the way through um, 
through the Australian days, and then they, and then they went through the siege perils, um, and then they all got split up, and they were all on their own adventures for a while, and then they all came back together during, I guess, Extinction Agenda. And then it was a little bit after that is when the original X-Men rejoined the team and uh, X-Men number one launched. And then uh, Cyclops led the blue team and Storm led the gold oh, team. Oh, wow. So it was years. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know if Storm's technically a leader now, but she should be. We're going to talk about the, then, uh, the epilogue here. Yeah. Okay. I also skimmed this one because it didn't really match with the story. <laughs> but it, it's, the it's kind of cool. The washer appears. Yeah, uh, I do like how like you know Rachel goes to see her grandparents who don't know she exists, and she's like, "I don't mean to break the memory crystal, but I think I pray I can repair it." And so she puts it. It looks like she puts an image of herself in this crystal with Jean. And this is this is pre Jean. This isn't what this is before Jean. They split Phoenix and Jean into two people. Right. right. So she uses her powers, and then you see a flash of light, and you walk to is on there, and he's like, "Hmm." That's where Jean sacrificed her life to save the universe. It begins. As it is the ending, who can say, as before, I may not act. My charge is ever to observe, like for I am the Watcher. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. She's like, I hope you don't mind the company, Mom. And she kisses her grandparents and then leaves. You would wake you know? up. Yeah, like, absolutely, if somebody kissed me. What's a stranger me? doing in my house? I guess she Wait, has unless like she's, Unless she's just... Unless she's using her psychic abilities to keep them asleep. Right, okay, maybe she that's is. Weird. Yeah, but it is weird. I don't Although, want anyone, you know, I don't want anyone kissing do me that. while I'm in no. the psychic uh, whatever. Don't kissing me weird. <laughs> don't be breaking in my house and kissing me weird. Giving me a weird, grandparent, holographic weird future grandchild. Crystal. <laughs> well, I mean, what would you even say? I'm your future grandchild, but from a future that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. And I will never be. And, and, and I'll never be born. How she even got there in the first place? Yeah. Be all, all right. Do you want to? Do you want me to grill you with cheese? What do you want? But as she it's leaves, three she's in the like morning. A, but as she leaves, she's like, and now I hope I'll be remembered. And you see the memory crystal there. It's got her face and Jean Grey's face. Yeah. Like, Why do I remember someone that never existed? Is this? <laughs> you would think that it was one of those Mandela effects. You wake up and you go like, oh, the memory crystal's fixed. But who's this other girl in there? <laughs> I don't recognize her at all. You know, you'd go to Professor X to be like, can you can you fix this? This is another girl in here. This is another girl in here. Professor Xavier's like, what's going on? Rachel, why did you put yourself in this crystal? <laughs> um, yeah, but I did enjoy checking this out. Yeah, I thought this great. was a lot of fun. And I, even I have, had, well, I mean, uh, we've, you've already read this as of I, as of, I mean, yeah, everyone's yeah. already yeah. read it. But I haven't read it in a very, very fucking long time. So Same revisiting it was a real trip yeah i didn't hardly remember almost any of this <laughs> at all except for the fact that like storm is the leader of the x-men after this issue that was it so right, like rereading yeah. this was just such a fucking trip. and it's the first appearance of nathan summers there you go yeah yeah first appearance I mean, of cable technically or i don't know I mean, I guess he comes down to the base reason I picked this issue is because it was the reason it's the one where Storm was leading the X Men. But yeah, there was all this other fun There's stuff in it that I forgot about it. That's so goofy and fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a great pick, Aubrey. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, let uh, us know. Was um, too woke. Let, let us know what stuff you <laughs> like from the Chris Claremont era of the X Men, or I guess any era of the X Men, really. Um, yeah. Let us know what you thought of this issue. Excellent. Uh, thanks so much, John, Aubrey, for John, doing the notes. John, it was excellent. Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. So Mike Alred did Ecstatics, and then that became 
or that it, it was X Force, and then it became Ecstatics. Yeah. And then that yep. title ended. Yeah. And so recently, he's brought those characters back, and is doing another title for Marvel with them, and it's called The Excellence. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. So, How many anyway. puns can we come up with? Yeah. So anyway, that it. made me think of that when you mentioned it. We've been talking about Mike Alred Hell also yeah. recently. So yeah, check out that series. It's been fun so far. I've checked out the first couple issues. I'm excited to know how many different sound clips you're going to put in this one from all the various <laughs> X-Men songs that there are out there. Yes, yes. Excellent. Excellent. I know. Dun, dun, dun. All right, and now Aubrey's going to say all of the things. All right, everybody. That was a fun little trip down 30-plus years ago <laughs> in the Claremont run. Uh, like John said, let us know your favorite Claremont story or your favorite X-Men story. If you didn't like Claremont, let us know, because I'd be very curious to know if somebody who didn't like any of the Claremont stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, you can send us a monster. A, you can send us a hey, you damn guys at bookclubmembercomics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bookclubmembercomics and on Twitter at bookclubmembers. You can always find all of our resources on our Facebook About section, our Podbean website, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gutterharm for the listener feedback theme. Thank, thank you, Paul. Paul. Yes. Uh, thank you, John and Danielle, for this fun, lively discussion about Claremont X-Men days. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Um, our logos are from Ross Radke and Matt Jackby, and our theme is from Only Beast. You can get the podcast wherever you find your podcast from, and while you're there, open it up and give us those, that five-star review. Uh, every little bit helps. Yes, do it. Um, and if you're liking what we're doing, tell a friend. You know, everybody should want to join the book club, if they want, if they like comics. Yes, they should. Uh, and next week, we're heading back over to the Hellboy Book Club podcast, and we're going to be reading The Empty Chair from the Loster Johnson Omnibus, The Great Blizzard from the Witchfinder Volume 2 Omnibus, and The Longest Night from the House of Lost Horizon. Oh, shit. Uh, that sounds those, awesome. Those fun little short stories. And uh, so you guys know what to do. Get those omnibuses, trades, digitals, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas, and I need to wear my glasses to see, or else I will not be able to do the podcast or drive. There. Safely done. I'm playing baseball. I'm using my mutant powers. Apparently, that's not against the rules. We can all do that. It makes the game more interesting. And I'm already Lovelace saying, she's blocking my optic beam with my own arm. <laughs> <laughs>